Imagine a world in which post-traumatic stress no longer robs from millions who suffer. You don't want to get help because you're embarrassed. You don't want to tell people the dark stuff that you've went through. That stigmatism of you can't talk to people it is so true. Post-traumatic stress is not a disorder. It's an injury that can be healed quickly so that those who suffer get back to thriving in their families, communities, and mission. And I said, I yeah. don't want to, I, I can't, I don't want to live this trauma again. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. you don't have to. Yeah. And I said, yeah. what? The experts, they forgot to tell me I can heal. I didn't know that I can get rid of PTSD. Each week, we tell a skeptical world what is possible with stories of those who have successfully cured their trauma. I just remember being able to stand by the water and look up at the sky and hear the noises, and I didn't think they were gunshots. I was like, those are Disney fireworks. I don't even know what to imagine for myself now, my future, because I have one. This is Life After PTSD. I want to welcome everybody to another episode of Life After PTSD. My name is Jeff McLaughlin, hosting here in Orlando, Florida, as always, with my cohort, Carrie Russo. How's it going? It's going great. We got Leslie with us today. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It took you long enough. All right, we've known you for so long. You should have been on the show, like, I don't know, six months ago. I've right? been trying to get in. You guys are just so busy. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, we're so important. That's why, you know, like we were talking before about our statistics. I think we're big in Norway now. Well, we know we're big in Norway, actually. You know, there's, uh, it was France. France was I was talking about. Like France, congratulations. According to our stats, you jumped the UK this week and we are more uh, listened to, I guess, in France, whatever that means. Hey, let's talk today. Um, Leslie, Dr. Leslie, right? You have a PhD. What's your PhD in? Marriage and Family Therapy. Cool. So you know I like her already, mm -hmm. right? Anybody that Absolutely, studies that world. So that's, that's, I mean, I, you already knew that, but I mean, just I like even more. You've been a therapist for how long? About 18 years. 18 years. Cool. All right. And so today we're going to talk about something kind of unique. Therapists get trauma too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a bumper sticker out there. Therapists are people too. Yeah. Right, Carrie? Exactly. Therapists are people <laughs> well, too. Well, we're not really sure, but <laughs> they do get trauma. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, there you go. All right. So you, I didn't say it. You said it, not me. Um, Leslie, tell me, before we even get into whatever you want to share about that trauma, because we always make it a point to just say as much or as little as you're willing to talk about, we always want to respect that. We're not here to exploit. Um, we're here to give you a platform to potentially speak in a way that would benefit somebody out there who's listening that goes... Leslie's story is my story. Right mm -hmm. before we get into that, though, um, talk to me about the world of trauma and what you knew about it as a therapist. Because there's a lot of therapists that we work with that get trained, and their model is rocked right. by some of what we do. Absolutely. But I think you knew a lot about trauma yeah. beforehand, and we're already working in that realm. So talk to us about that if you don't mind. Yeah, well, you know, when I was trained going through graduate school, trauma was not part of the curriculum, and it was not something that we were trained in. And after doing couples work for, you know, 15 years, it's like, you know, you can teach them all the things that we learned in school. And it's like, something's going on here. They, they learn these things, but when they get triggered, all of that goes out the window yeah. and they enter into a survival response. And so that led me down the path of studying trauma. And I'm like, this is it. Like, and, mm -hmm. and so, you know, the neurobiology, all of that research started to come forth. And, and so I, um, actually took my business to the left in that sense and really focused on trauma as the underlying, like we have to do this first. And once we clear the trauma, then we can do all the other things that I learned in graduate school. But uh, I really became an advocate for, for teaching trauma. And so I teach at Palm Beach Atlantic University cool. and uh, all of my students, I say, you have to have a training protocol in your toolbox good absolutely for you. yeah good for you i'm so excited about it. you know you you carry you come on really yeah, i know you guys are kindred spirits oh, i knew you i knew oh, you'd be leslie you don't understand you understand i told you recently you need to send somebody to leslie same same realm because because in in my world with coaching and, and more on the pastoral side of counseling with couples 
yeah, it's same experience, right? You meet with people and you go, I, I, I say this, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I've always said I could distract a couple probably for three months and give them so many good tools that are the focus of what they do. And they might think they have a good marriage after three months, right? And the problem is, this is the thing that I think is like the, that would break my heart is at the end of three months, I'm out of distractions, give or take. And then the explosion still happens. The, the magma boils up and the lava and everything and the volcano blows up. And what is the volcano? All that trauma, all that stuff that was underneath there, the invisible enemy that they were long fighting anyway, that was into their conflict, into their everything, into their communication issues. Yeah, I love you telling your students, you must have this in your mm-hmm. arsenal. How many do you say, I mean, out of the couples that you meet with, give me a percentage, you know, that you generally observe have 100%. trauma. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah. I, was like wow. I think, I think everybody, everybody wow. has trauma. And this wow. is, what, I mean, I'm trying to get a trauma program into the high schools before people, you know, yeah. partner and have children mm-hmm. because we see just trauma handed down generationally, right? I mean, hurt Amazing. people, hurt people. Yeah. Yep. And so we we don't get yeah. to adulthood without experiencing some degree of trauma. And people always think of trauma as like bombings and, you know, war, but it's, you know, your parents getting divorced. It's, you know, tra- yep. going to that new high school when you're, yep. you know, when you're in high school, moving to a new community. Yep. There's all that, your, your best friend moving away when you were eight. I mean, there's so many things that just jar our, our psyche. And they change the way that we show up in the world. And without dealing with that, it impacts our adult relationships. Well, and it's it's often, you know, so I started my career doing ADHD testing and learning disability. And then I started realizing, wait a minute, some of these kids are just traumatized by what's going on. And I knew some of it was behavioral. I knew enough to know that. But like you, you know, 25 years ago, they weren't teaching this in school. And I just got a text on my way here from a student I mean, she finished school a couple of years ago, master's in counseling. And she said, do you know anything about CPTSD? And I was like, yeah. What, what? She goes, I had never heard of it. And I, I have my degree. So it's complex. What is it? Yeah. And so say yeah. complex. Yeah, yeah sure. Complex. And uh, she said, <laughs> it makes so much sense now. I've had all this therapy, mm-hmm. but nobody, all these people say they're trauma informed. Yeah. These therapists and they're not. And I, yeah. I said I was trauma informed, but I wasn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, now I know there's just so much more to know about the brain and yeah. it's so fascinating what well, the research I, you're doing with yeah. kids and schools. Well, I worked, you know, I worked, you know, of course, with my internship doing community mental health. And yeah. so I worked a lot with foster kids sure. and then afterwards I stayed on doing assessments part-time. And so, you know, there's this disproportionate number of kids with ADHD and bipolar diagnoses. And it's like, okay, what do all of these children have in common? Mm-hmm. They've all experienced trauma. Now, right? now let me, let me say wow. ADHD does still exist. I'm not saying right. it doesn't. Neither one of us are saying right. that, you know, but, but there are kids who they don't really have ADHD or maybe their ADHD is significantly exacerbated by trauma. Well, but I think it's hyper arousal. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense though because we often talk about like there's an overdiagnosis of yeah. whatever Ritalin or what are the stuff that you know is Adderall too. I think mm-hmm. they use, you know, and it makes sense though because with all of us knowing, Carrie, you and I especially having done all of the trainings that we've done, we have seen uh, how few counselors out there. No knocking counselors. Again, I'm always the guy on the show that's going. If you're here and you're telling your story on our show as a counselor having been trained maybe 15, 20, 30 years in practice and you get your model challenged about what trauma is and you're willing to come and shift, kind of like you said before, we shifted to the left right there. I can't have more respect in the world for a person like that. How could I not? Because that that means that you were willing to, to be a lifelong learner, right? But if counselors don't know about this, then why would we think that the people that are prescribing medicine for ADHD are gonna know any better, right? Mm-hmm. So we have this big, broad category. Oh, it must be ADHD, 
So I can totally see that happening. It's yeah. very plausible. Well, and and like you said, you know, everyone's experienced some kind of trauma. Mm-hmm. It, and you could throw out, you could have a perfectly good family, but it, you know, with no divorce and no fighting, and no, but they're going to see TV and they're going right. to look at the yeah. things on the screen and the shootings in other schools. Right. I mean, I had a, a, a teenager in my car just a couple weeks ago with my daughter and she said um, something about the shooting. She was like, oh yeah, somebody could easily get a gun in our school. And I'm thinking, they're thinking about that at school? I don't know. I just crossed. I <laughs> yeah. just somehow, well, and doing, I was like, yeah. You know, they those have code red through. drills. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. Right. yes. 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 Yep. That's traumatizing. The yeah. code red drills. Or yeah. your dog gets hit yeah. by a car. I mean, there's yeah. like, like life mm-hmm. happens, you yeah. know, and it's, it's like our car, we get our wheels, our tires rotated and our alignment. It's like we, when we get knocked out of alignment, we need to have a reset too. Mm-hmm. And yep. we don't, we yep. need to develop that resiliency is that ability to bounce back and 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 really teach the mechanisms by which we do that? Agreed. And I think that's what we're not equipping our youth with. And they're getting more, they're getting knocked around more now than ever. And we're seeing the consequences of that. You're seeing the you know the mental health crisis among our youth right now. And and one of the things I like about the the reconsolidation that we were mm-hmm. that we're trained in is that the therapist doesn't have to experience what. Yes. Yes. The event, the vicarious trauma. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is a big, uh, you know, area that I'm working on right now is working with therapeutic boarding schools with their therapy staff because of the vicarious trauma that Mm -hmm. they get and the burnout. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, really like us having to take care of ourselves as therapists is so important because it's, it's that chronic trauma that just that little bit, little bit, little bit that just builds up and builds up and builds up because we know it's trapped like in our bodies and like on a cellular level. And so we have to have a process, not just, you know, everybody, but therapists, especially for being able to do that. And you did that recently. I did. Didn't you? Yeah. Which is a perfect Actually, segue. I, did, I, did. I will say. What a coincidence. <laughs> so, I, well, I'll, I'll tell you. So, I, I was having some issues myself, like thinking about some things. And Jeff actually did, did a reconsolidation with me. So, I did nice. have that. Yeah. Well. I, I love how we just, but we're so cavalier about it, Carrie. Like you walk in one night, you're like, I, I was on my way out the door. I just finished meeting with somebody. I'm done for the day. And Carrie's like, I need you to clear something. But I, I did it to you a couple weeks ago too. I'm like, Carrie, can we, like after midnight too, by yeah. the way, like it was the craziest thing. I'm like, Carrie, I can't sleep. Right. I need you to clear something right now. And that's, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to minimize the seriousness of what people experience right there. But I think, I think what would inspire, what would compel someone like you to make that shift in your practice and to say the things that you do to your students has to tie in with the idea that, hey, this is not a four-year process of clearing somebody's trauma. You can do this quickly. So why the heck wouldn't you? Yes. Right? To relieve suffering. I feel like knowing what we know now, we're we're clinically negligent by not, and that's a big statement to go out there. I agree. But I believe that to even to give a child, prescribe a child a medication like that, that has long-term consequences on their physiological health without first doing a trauma protocol is negligent. Absolutely. If you're listening out there, yeah. you just heard it. I didn't say it. She said it and I'm with her. Okay. I, no, I, I agree. And even, yeah. Yeah, even people, you know, adults, marriages, yeah. you know, and you know, Oh, but I think my husband's depressed get put in, on some medication. Yeah. yeah. Let's look at right. the trauma Right. In his life. I I want to ask a question um, because right away, since we've already been offending lots of clinicians out there and everything. And again, that's not the goal. I want, I want them to know, no, and we probably do that every show. And frankly, I'm presuming that they're actually listening anyway, because they've probably been tuned out a long time ago. We've had like (laughs) 45,000 downloads. Come on. Somebody's listening to us. Well, we know who's listening. We just, I don't know if it's clinicians or not, but, but now that you've said what you've said, I, I, I love it. Let's, I want to go even further with that. And 
you know, as a word of encouragement for both of you as licensed therapists, what would you say to somebody who's, you know, maybe there's still that skeptic out there that says, oh, these guys are selling snake oil or whatever, and they still hold that belief that trauma can't be cleared. You can cope with it, and that's the end of the story, but what do you say to them right now? Because your models were both changed at some point during your professional careers. I mean, what yeah. do you have to lose? It, it's one, you know, one session, and and it could potentially save them from years of suffering and unnecessary treatment, right? Yeah. yeah. And so the worst case is that you do it and you're no better off than you, when you started. But so you're saying just jump in and use the tool, and if it doesn't work, what'd you what'd you lose? Right? You didn't lose anything, yeah, but hey, the, the potential sure. benefit is extraordinary. And I'd like to say one thing. If you just going back to what I said, hey, is that I don't yeah. I know that anybody who's in a helping profession is here to help. And so when I say negligent, I don't mean intentionally negligent. I mean, in the sense that, that we aren't doing what we need to do, um, because we don't value it or we don't see that we don't know, you know, the, um, the importance of it. But I'm, I'm saying that because I want people to be uncomfortable. And, and so I, I understand the heart and I know that everybody who's a helper is there to help people. And that's why I'm challenging you. It's a good word. It's a good word. It's a good word. Hey, let's, um, let's jump into this. Um, Leslie, you had a trauma. I did. And, uh, so talk to us about it, whatever you're willing to share. Yeah, it, it was, it's kind of personal. So I'm not going to offer too many details to, you know, to kind of protect the confidentiality of the people involved. But I think this is something that's happening in more households, um, than many people are, are comfortable admitting. Um, but I, I had a family member who was struggling with some mental illness and, um, and part of that uh, was kind of like a manic type of episode. There was some aggressive behavior, verbally aggressive, um, which escalated into um, some physical aggression. And, uh, you know, I'm using all of my techniques to try to soothe and calm. And, and of course, you're there. I'm, um, you're there because you're part of the family and, and everybody right. expects you to be able yeah. to handle this. Right? And I'm trying to stabilize. And on, yeah. an ex- on the exterior, I, yeah. I was, you know, trying very hard to stay cool because I know I'm de-escalating, de-escalating. But inside, right, that feeling like I, it was, I was very much activated. Yeah. And, um, and my daughter walked in and my daughter's, she was 10 at the time and saw this, you know, this exchange. And I just saw the look on her face, you know, and, and, and it, and I, and it scared her and that mm-hmm. hurt me. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that was really the trauma more than what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. The trauma was seeing my daughter exposed to this yeah. and knowing that she was scared for me. I yeah. wasn't so scared for yeah. me because yeah. I knew that I could get myself out of this situation safely. But the panic on her face, the mama bear in me was like, oh, you know, like you don't want your kids exposed. Mama, the heart that you have for kids already anyway is going, I want to protect my kids from this. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to. And that's right. Right. Yeah, Yeah. I get it. I get it. Okay. so then what? So, um, Mm. you know, I really didn't think too much of it because it was just, you know, I'm just dealing with stuff that happens. And, you know, I, you know, talked with my daughter about it and we kind of processed that together and. Um, but I just noticed that I wasn't quite the same and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm surround myself with wonderful therapist friends. <laughs> and so, um, some of them had said, you know, I think that you need to maybe talk to someone about this because it sounds like you have some trauma and, um, I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't as evident to me until I went to the training and I went to the training because I wanted to, um, learn just another protocol, right? But I had the opportunity to um, be a demo. Yeah, that was exciting. Yeah. 
No, did you volunteer or I did you volunteered? <laughs> you were volunteered. <laughs> which was which was actually kind of cool yeah. because it was like, you know, it's written all over your face. And I'm like, oh, I guess I do have trauma. <laughs> right. Um, and I, I had not gotten upset about it, like cried about it or anything like that yeah. until yeah. I was called up there. And then all of a sudden it was like <gasps> Right. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's when you suddenly realize, oh, I do have something to clear. So so tell me, do me do me this favor, if you would. And again, without like traumatizing yourself or whatever, just if you would talk about the clearing itself. And here's why is because I was there. Mm -hmm. I was recording on video. I think that was one of the only demos or maybe one or one or two of them that for whatever reason, we either we didn't get good audio or whatever it was, but we didn't edit that one. And so mm-hmm. with many of the demos that we've done, I've had the chance to go and rewatch those. It's, if somebody's getting demoed, I'm there. I've got a couple cameras. I'm moving around. It's it's a tech world for me at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, watching the sweet moments at the end where whoever's clearing who is getting hugged and all that fun stuff. But I didn't get to rewatch yours and everything. Uh, so if you don't mind, so I yeah. can't even I can't even chime in on this one because I don't remember. I just remember you being up there. Wow. So tell me about that if you don't mind, like just what you experienced and what that was like for you. Yeah. So I was surprised by the emotionality that came up for me, for and sure. you know, particularly being in front of an audience, right? Um, but it, I think there was also some of that was like some validation of like, hey, there's something going on, and and feeling very seen, perhaps in that. Um, and so when I was up there, it was v- very painless in the sense that we didn't get into a lot of content. It was very quick. And whenever I started to get upset, um, you did a good job of, of distracting me, right? Helping me to break, break state, state yeah. uh-huh. right? Yeah. Uh, I found that really helpful. And also that helps to build the safety and the security of the, the therapeutic mm-hmm. container is that we're, we're not going to get too far you know, it's not going to become too overwhelming. And so, uh, then we went through the protocol and, you know, I only had to describe the incident briefly. And then, um, I don't know how much in detail you want me to yeah. go. No, no, about this is good. No, yeah. This and is then, good. Well, yeah. And then by the end you were, and so, yeah. So then you, when I was able, felt, then he goes, okay. you know, recall it. And I was able to recall it without yeah. the emotionality. Yeah. What was really interesting was how it starts to more comes up. You know, like after yeah. you do it and then uh, more yeah. more details come yeah. in. Whereas before it was like, this happened, my daughter walked in, you know, I was traumatized, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah. all of a sudden there was yeah. much more detail that, that came up. And, and it really was a great subjective experience for me to see how much our psyche represses, mm-hmm. you know, in its attempt to protect us. It really does hold back more um and maybe what it thinks we can handle, right? It mm. only gives us what it thinks we can handle. Mm. Mm. And so as soon as we cleared some, here's like, here's some more. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'd love to get y'all's take on this. This is somewhat of a tangent, but not too much. Um, you know, people often wonder, why do I, why do we, why do we have these random memories sometimes that just mm. kind of come up? You know, you're driving somewhere and thought of something that's like 20 years ago. Where'd that come from? It, it just feels like the more and more I'm getting into this, guys, that those things aren't, quite coming up randomly as we might have once thought that maybe that is the unconscious mind working at that there's a connection and it may not be a trauma it could be something else that's just nostalgic but I feel like people that I'm talking to and interacting with are having these thoughts and then they're starting to realize oh my gosh like I've been in this place of healing and that thought is coming up for a reason because it's yeah. connected to something else has that been y'all's experience or what, what do you think about that yeah absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. you know I think like even when you were talking about the couples that you work with and it comes up yeah. later I'm like as it should right yeah. oh yeah I, you know I say it's like the splinter yeah. that works its way to the surface it's mm-hmm. like it's ready to come out now yeah and I I find that there's some ages where 
a lot of people have trauma that comes up and, and I find this a lot. I work with women whose kids are like aging out, if you will, right? And, or maybe they're just kind of teenagers and not needing so much from them at that time. And, and And that's traumatizing. Yeah, it is. 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 But, but like once in some ways, really, yeah, leave home. But there's also like this space that opens where they're not engaged and distracted by Mm -hmm. so much caregiving. And so they're like, why is this coming up now? Mm. And it's like, because you have the space maybe, right. To Mm -hmm. deal with it now. And it's saying, look, you know, we waited for you to, you know, graduate school and get a job and raise a family. But now how about it's time for you to take care of you a little bit. Mm. I think think that's why so many women um, whose kids are teenage or or older, um, they go and they're on Xanax or they're on um, Mm. antidepressants. And we say, oh, it's because your kids have left home and you're sad and you're depressed and your, your identity has been has changed. And I think that there's some validity to that. But also what traumas haven't you dealt with right. over the years mm-hmm. you know like when your child got sick and almost died mm-hmm. and you had to just keep going or when your husband lost his job or whatever you know the things that happen mm-hmm. and we don't deal with them and then suddenly like you said we have space and then you go maybe you go to the doctor and I, I mean I mm-hmm. we had almost a joke we probably shouldn't have but for a while <laughs> we had so many women between like 40 and 55 all on some kind of Xanax and we're like, what, yeah. what is this? What doctor is handing this out to all these women? Right. And like, I don't want to shame anybody that's taking uh, yeah, medication. Yeah, and I shouldn't, and I shouldn't but actually but do that. No, that's now okay. that Carrie has shamed them, you want to say we don't? I'm just kidding. But, but, I, <laughs> but say, I, I do think there's a need sometimes for medication. There is. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. but I think if people knew of a better solution, they would. People, everyone's just trying to feel better and Absolutely. it does help. Mm-hmm. And, but it's, you know, I do believe that we're in some ways muting the, the call you know, to come in and do the work. And, mm. and it's, it's like, never feels like a good time. You know, it's kind of like, do you want to clean your closet, this, your garage this weekend? It's like, no, not really. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's so beautiful when it's done. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Carrie, to your point earlier, I think what you said about that timing with women and with moms actually perfectly accords with what we've seen from our military guys. Think about some of these guys who have been on furlough or whatever. Mm-hmm. But but I'm talking about or the guys that get back. called back up. Mm-hmm. And they always have talked about, like, multiple people that we have worked with have talked about going back into, how do they say, like the machine? It's their duty. It's their responsibility. It's like they, they uh, the software for soldiers is reactivated. I was about to say the human software has to be on the back seat as if they're not human. But, they, but in a sense, they kind of lose some of that. They lose like the, uh, the ability to relax, to think, I mean, you're just, you're in mission mode mm-hmm. right there. And I could see, you know, as those guys have, have gotten space when they're not in mission mode and everything, just like a mama is not in mission mode when the kids have graduated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess a mom is always in mission mode, but not the same way mm-hmm. when the kids have left the house. I think that makes perfect sense. And there's a probably, probably a lot of parallels that to, you know, with mm-hmm. a lot of different demographics as well. So good word. Um, Hey, let's do this. Let's take a break. And, uh, when we come back after the break. We will, um, Got some more things to talk about. I have, I have some more. I'm going to put you both on the hot seat with a couple of questions here. Okay, so just get ready. If you're listening out there, stay tuned with us. When we come back after the break, we have some great things. Um, just listen to some words from our sponsor, and we will catch you in a minute. Hey, Life After PTSD listeners. We're glad that you love other stories of healing, but what about you? First Orlando Counseling is the premier trauma therapy center in Central Florida with a full staff of trained clinicians ready to help you clear your trauma without re-traumatization. Childhood abuse, relationship abuse, a traumatic car accident, birth trauma, first responder or military trauma, even phobias. You don't have to live like this. It's time for you to heal. 
schedule a consultation today by visiting firstorlandocounseling.com or call 407-514-4470. It's that easy. So here we are back with Life After PTSD. We've got Carrie and Dr. Leslie. And as promised, I have some hot seat questions. All right, you guys ready? Right. Um, Leslie, going back to your story, 10-year-old daughter sees things that Mama Bear doesn't want her to see. What do you do when your kids are, tra- kids, emphasis kids, kids are traumatized? At what age would you guys as therapists, how would you handle something like that? Do you, do you run them through a trauma protocol? Or I think that's a question a lot of parents out there are asking. What if it's not me? What if it's my kids? I do. I've done it as young as four even younger, actually, yeah. uh, slightly younger, but yeah, if they can hold a, if they can, if a child can hold a thought, which most of them, if they can tell you a brief story, yeah. they can hold a thought, um, and they can concentrate for it. Like I said, just a moment, mm-hmm. then I think we can do a trauma protocol with them. I definitely think children can, um, can benefit from it. And I think, you know, for a parent who's not, you know, a therapist, like <laughs> we're going to just work with our kids, but, um, <laughs> being able to bring through, recognize the signs of, of trauma and to really expand their understanding of perhaps of what trauma is, you know, like we said, that for parents to recognize like, Hey, maybe that had an effect on them that's lasting and that could be processed. Right. And so it doesn't have to be what they might consider, you know, big T trauma. Right. But Hey, my kid's not, is doing something differently since then. Mm -hmm. And, and so recognizing that, that they could bring them into a a trauma professional who could help them pretty quickly and just helping their brain process the way it's stored the data. And as you work with kids, are there any specific signs like maybe that kids show that, that parents could be on the lookout for maybe that are different than adults? I think that those two worlds are going to process things in some ways similar, in some ways different. So what would be some, uh, some signs, just practical things you could encourage some parents with? I think a lot of somatic complaints I see more with kids where they're complaining of their stomachs hurting and their heads hurting, Mm -hmm. uh, clinginess, you know, just wanting to stay near me. You know, I want to, can I sleep in your bed? Mm. Um, or in teenagers, I just want to go out and be with my friends constantly. There's no downtime. Yeah. The constant distraction. So you think, oh, they're just being a teenager. Yeah. But then it's like, wait, well, there's never any attack time where they are want to be with us anymore. You know, it's like, and it's sudden. Mm -hmm. I know some kids after Parkland, some of the parents talked about, well, it used to be that we would have some family nights or we would have, you know, sometimes, you know, and now it's never, I have to be with my friends constantly all the time, interacting with them. I have to sleep with my phone on uh, a video so I can wake up and see my friends on their video. You know, that's, Something, and it was a drastic good, change. Yeah, that's good marks. Good marks. Okay, uh, next thing. There's, and you get to interact with these regularly, the next generation of clinicians coming up. Yes. Okay, here's here's what I want to know. What must they know and believe about trauma? Beyond just having a protocol in their arsenal, what must they know and believe about trauma? I think they must know, and I make sure at least any students that come through my classroom, is that they understand the neurobiology of okay. trauma. Cool. Talk about that, because cool. that is one of the things that, you know, I was in school right before you. So I was 26 years ago. Oh. And yeah, that was never talked about. And even did they know it then is no. the question. I mean, no, that's that right. Is the yeah. Thing. yeah. Some of the things you we've know. just learned, but some yeah. of the things there, some people knew and they're, but even now we know and schools still aren't teaching mm-hmm. the things that they know. I mean, you right. are. And, um, like Dr. Casado is teaching some things, you know, there's some people I do know that are teaching, 
outside of the box, but a lot of them aren't, you know, like the clinician that emailed, texted me today on my way here and said, Hey, did you know that this exists? I just got out of school and didn't even know it exists. <laughs> You're like, and, where right. have you been? Yeah, that's so sad. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, but yeah, talk about that. Cause it's fascinating to hear you talk about yeah, like what, what, are the, what, are the, what are the main points of neurobiology that you, you know, obviously you're going to cover this in, in many classes or semesters right. or whatever, but what would be like three or four bullet points that are like, these are the must knows about neurobiology. I think it's important that they understand the autonomic nervous system and the threat response. And so when our, when our brain perceives a threat that it enters into a threat response, which is, you know, fight or flight flight, Uh or freeze. Um, but also that the, the ability to, to self soothe is developed through social engagement with a caring caregiver. Mm -hmm. And so that capacity to self-regulate is a developed capacity and is developed through attunement and through that, that healthy attachment. And so for people that did not have um, that healthy caregiver. Yeah, I'm going to interrupt you. Like, so parents, in yes. other words, need to be able to self-regulate yes. in order to, right. right, for the child to learn self-regulation. And so, let's face yeah. it, we have a society so, of non-self-regulate. Go ahead. And that's right. Wait, wait, yeah. Hang on. Go to the conversation, though. Self-regulation in 30 seconds or less. What is it? Well, the ability to regulate your nervous system means to bring it back into safety and out of a threat response. Okay. So, so a, we are born with the biological fight or flight or freeze, Mm -hmm. but the other part is developed. And so the parent in essence is an external regulatory device. Mm -hmm. They allow the child to borrow their nervous system. So the child is dysregulated. The parent stays regulated and then brings the child into regulation until the child then learns that process for themselves. What's in layman's term is when you were at Disney last week and your, one of your five children was acting out for a moment, having a meltdown. That's awful you presumptuous, Gary. You My com- kids are perfect. They would never do something like you that. Were completely- which one and which day and which hour? Are you kidding me? And you were completely composed yes. because you have break state techniques I and do. you took him aside. Yeah completely confident that you could do this. Totally. You stayed regulated totally. and didn't get upset. And you were able to say, hey, buddy, look, look at the, you know, and broke state. I, I, I have to say, I just have to brag on this a little bit. I'm, I'm so proud of people. Some of the people that I meet with when I'm doing, if I'm doing like something like a trauma script or something with somebody in a, in a couple's situation. Um, I, I had this one couple, the girl is a teacher and, uh, and they also do, I think they volunteer with like, they work with teenagers in some context, she and her husband. And um, so I did break state with him one week in between doing something. And then she comes back the next week and she's asking me all of these questions about break state about like context with teenagers. She's like, would it work here? Would it work here? Well, I come to find out she just watched what I was doing and took it back and started doing this with teenagers. Oh wow. Right. Teenage girls, mind you. And her only question was, is it ethical? Like if they're crying their brains out that I'm getting, I'm like, was it a trauma? And she's like, yeah, they were like, I'm like, well, yeah, it's ethical. Get them out of it. Right. And that kind of thing. And so what, how beneficial it would be, not just for clinicians to know that, man, we ought to be teaching this to parents. Well, that's you know, my, right? that's the program. Well, and that, that and, your, yeah. and, and what a great segue, Jeff. Yeah. And you didn't even oh, wow. know that. Yeah, I didn't know it. Yeah. So you teach this with parents? Is that one of the things? Well, you that's did? the, the, my, the company I created is called Heartfire, cool. Heartfire yeah. Academy. And so yeah. the program is for schools, but it's trifold. It's for educating the teachers yeah. and working with the children, but yeah. also educating the parents because going back to that regulating thing is that yeah. the parents nervous system, if they don't have the capacity to stay regulated, yeah. then they can't be an external regulatory device for their child. And when their child's nervous system gets activated, it triggers them into activation, which amplifies the child's activation. And so this is where we see people with what we call very small capacity 
for distress tolerance mm-hmm. because they never developed that capacity right. through the co-regulation. Is right? that, I mean, not always, but I'm sure that that could be one of the leading forces that push somebody into like an abuse situation where it's, yeah. you know, physical abuse or exactly. whatever. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what yeah. I worked with, yeah. with all the children who had been abused in uh, foster care. Yeah. I worked with the parents and, yeah. and I had tremendous compassion for them Oh yeah, because I said, I've, you know, they're like, I don't know how you could work with these child abusers. And I said, you know, because they're all hurt traumatized people, you know? And I said, nobody wants to abuse their child. And in fact, they have tremendous guilt and shame over the fact that their autonomic nervous system took over and they entered into a fight or flight response and their child became a victim of their own trauma response. And and basically we've all had that happen to us. We've all had a day where we got angry and we wish we didn't. You know, or we got sad or upset more than we right. wanted to, yeah. you know, and, or whatever it is, we got more scared than we should have driving. And it's just, they unfortunately do yeah. it more. Yeah. Like it's, it's more well, severe yeah. and then they act out. Yeah. So we all have some kind of yes. autonomic nervous system yeah. that we, we, all do. we need to learn to regulate. Everybody has yeah. a capacity yeah. and everybody's capacity has a threshold and some have a greater capacity than others, but we will all find our edges mm-hmm. at some point. Absolutely, right. right. And the thing is, it's, you know, this is why I preach self-care so much is because we're often walking around with a very full cup of all of these layers of stress, you know, financial stress, mm-hmm. relationship stress, health stress. It's a and noisy world. Yeah, right? but then that diminishes, it, we have little room left in our cup and our capacity to yeah. deal with something new. Mm-hmm. And so if something new happens and we boil over and we're like, oh my gosh, it wasn't a big deal, but it was enough to mm. bring us to our threshold. Yep. Yeah, it yep. was that, yep. yeah, yeah, it was that little yeah. final that straw that broke straw. the camel's yeah. back. I, I'd say, I, I, w- I think it would be awesome to do another show sometime just maybe as a resource for parents out there who are, who are in the midst of their own traumas or, or borderline traumas or anything and working with the kids just to do a whole thing about here's some practical ways to pull yourselves out of that. I, I think just the practicality of that resource would be, you know, through the roof. Amazing. My, goal, my, with, my yeah. goal is to get the heart fire program in every high school in the U.S. Good for you. And I want to, and I've got different ideas about how to sponsor that. Yeah. Um, but my yeah. idea is that I want to touch all the parents and the children. You know, I want to touch the parents because their nervous systems are vital for yep. their children. Um, but also I want to work with the kids before they go out into the world and start having children of their own. Yep. 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 Um, because, you know, hurt people hurt people. And, and it's, you know, I've, I said, I haven't met, you know, many bad people, you know, many, yeah. but I've met a lot of hurt people yeah, totally. and I, totally. you know, I think everybody has trauma and, and it's not something that you just do once, you know, like, like things are happening all the time. Yep. And so we have to have a maintenance program and be responsible for our own self-care and how we show up. And so if something's happened, it's like, it's our responsibility to, to heal. I couldn't agree more. And I want to, I'm going to do one more thing before we end the show today and Going full circle, you're a clinician who had a trauma. Mm-hmm. Talk to the clinicians out there who have traumas. I hear there are some, Carrie. I, <laughs> I, I've just I've heard of this. Okay, I'm joking. There are clinicians who are like, who is this guy? He has no idea what he's talking about. Like everyone that we hang out with freely admits to it. We have stuff. Okay, we, we have stuff. We're right? humans. We're humans. Right. So, so we, just, we just have a trauma hangout. With <laughs> yeah. But, but if there's some that are out there that, I don't know, maybe are... I don't know if they're in denial or whatever the story is like, talk to them out there. Let's give them permission, right. That it's okay. And to do something about it, but from somebody that has the credibility to say it. Well, I'm going to maybe make another little uncomfortable statement, but it was a quote that Brene Brown said that, that really 
jarred me. And, and it said, if you're a helper who can't receive help, you're judging mm-hmm. the people you're helping. That'll preach. Ow. And that, yeah. that hurt. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, because I'm, I love helping, but I'm not yeah. so great at, no, at receiving help, yeah. you yeah. know? Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. so I thought, well, no, like, and then I'm like, wait a second. Like, yeah. and so that really challenged me to be more practiced at yeah. receiving help yeah. Yeah. and, and to really own yeah. the fact that for us to open our hearts and to be fully present and engaged with our clients, the way that we are all in want and intend to be, yeah. we can't not incur some sort of vicarious impact. And yep. I, and I would say a whole bunch of little T traumas, uh, that accumulate over time and they fill up our cup so that when life happens to us, like, you know, like it does to everybody else, we have a diminished capacity because of all these little pieces of other people's traumas that we've taken home. And so I think that we have to be even more diligent mm-hmm. about cleaning that out and recalibrating ourselves yeah. into that alignment. To show up for our clients. To, to show up to show, for, oh, wow, for ourselves. For, yeah, you yeah. have to show up for our clients, show up for, for our family. Yeah, our you two get poetic today. Like yeah. I, there's so many bumper stickers that are coming out of what you're saying. I love it. Bumper stickers. It. Okay, um, so we need bobbleheads yeah. and bumper stickers. Well, you know. I'm so excited. I, join our, our merch page at Life After PTSD and, you know. I, I want to carry bobblehead. I can use one of those. He's like, I see some bumper stickers in your future. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, hey, I just, maybe it's the soundbite guy in me or something. I don't know. But anyway, no, I, but you're essentially saying you're not, you can't lead someone to a place that you're not willing to go yourself, right? Yeah. Is that what it comes down to? Yeah. And so, to have compassion for ourselves. Like we're yeah. so good at, uh, we all have like hold space and have compassion for other people. And it's like, Hey, how about some grace and compassion for ourselves? Seriously. Yeah. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother. Yeah. Episode. Just making a little, yeah. So your bumper stickers and you're ad, just adding work to my plate of episodes that we need to do, but they're all good. And they get me excited because every yeah. one of those topics is so relevant. Yeah. So relevant. There's a lot that yeah. we need to talk about. Well, good show. Dr. Leslie, thank you. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And, um, for the listeners out there, we want you to connect with us, whatever way that you uh, use social media or just click subscribe, get notifications of the podcast. We drop one every single Monday, um, but reach out and you can find all of our information in the show notes and we will catch you next time on life after PTSD. We're so grateful that you listened to the show today. Now imagine a new normal you get to decide with all its possibilities once you are free of PTSD, because that is what is possible. You're here, which means you're ready, but listening alone will not heal you or those you know who are suffering. Join us on the mission to eradicate PTSD by reaching out to lifeafterptsd.org or in Canada, lifeafterptsd.ca, or by sharing this message of hope with someone you know.